You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Engineering. Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia. This is Sports Day. Hope you had a fantastic day. Welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You'll hear Sports Day every weeknight at 6pm with myself, Paul Wanza. And tonight joining me is the Premiership Coach of the Norwood Footy Club, Jade Rawlings. Twig, welcome. Evening, Bonds. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Uh, still like me saying that Premiership Coach line, don't you? I was talking to someone today and said I still get... Funny about when it gets said, but I'm getting more comfortable <laughs> with it. <laughs> uh, you should wear a bit, wear that badge very proudly. Uh, big show tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the strikers. Their season came to an end last night. It was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. In probably in a manner. Yeah, uh, the deck was tough. There's no doubt yes. about that. There were, like, I don't think I've seen Marvel deck around that much, especially yeah. early. Is what it did, and it was generally tough conditions. But yeah. Alex Carey found a way to score, and probably a few fortunate patches in his innings, but he found a way to score and. But it was just no one outside him who could really get no. in to, to get a sub- substantial score no. and stay up by, by his side. And uh, yeah, but it probably reflected their year that they won at times when you probably thought they were less likely. Like that, two hundred twenty. Well, well, yeah, yeah. They, they, we'll talk about it shortly. But they, you know, they broke records and they were horrible at times as well. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting to you about Tassie Footy. There's some issues with the Glenorchy Footy Clubs uh, allegedly struggling for players, so we'll chat about that as well. Joining us from the Australian Open from Melbourne Park, Brett Phillips will talk tennis with us and um, talk about the Joker and Sister Pass and uh, the women's draw as well. He is all over it, Brett he Phillips. Is, he is. He is a superstar of the tennis world. And uh, you can be part of the show as well. You can text in on 0427 154 or give us a call, 1300 736 736. Nord supporters out there, if you want to, want to ask Twig a question, then... Maybe some young Norwood footballers you want to just ask him about. Uh, get on the phone or get on the text line, 0427 It's time for the hot topic. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your lo- local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. Sports Day SA. You're unbelievable. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SEN all right, as we mentioned, the six, uh, the strikers went down, not the sixes, the strikers went down last night uh, by six wickets to the Renegades. You, you mentioned tough conditions, very tacky pitch. You got some weather on it and the curator just had some issues. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit up and down and turning a mile. Well, Rocket Chelly, I don't reckon it's a bad bowler. <laughs> there were some balls that were ripping over the top of the stumps from well outside off and bouncing as well. But, yeah, I, I just felt the strikers never got going. This summer, yep. I felt like there was a real inconsistency. I've got a few issues in relation to contracting players for X amount of games. Because if, if nothing else, what do the Scorchers and Sixers preach? Now, I know James Vince goes in and out of the Sixers, but there's stability. And Fafblit Duplessis comes yep. in for a few games, so I'm probably going against my own argument. But by and large, the core is really strong. 
And I just felt that there was they never knew what their best team was. And then when the Australian boys came back as to who stays in, who goes out, and and they won games, so arguably under the pump to win and found a way to win and then lost what you'd sometimes deem the unlosable. So for me, it was a campaign they'll be pretty frustrated with, I would have thought. I'm sure we spoke to Dizzy Gillespie last week as well. And yeah, he's, he said it's been a roller coaster year and yeah, he's, you know, they've broken records. They chased down 230. Uh, they bowled a team out for 15. They won their first three games. There was lots of, you know, lots of upbeat press about them as well. They look the team to beat. They're going to be up there with the scorches and sixes, but, uh, yeah, then it all just sort of fell in a hole. Crowds were back as well, Bonds. Yeah, crowds have been excellent. Yeah, because when the strikers were first, when the season was reduced and it was what, an eight-game season, I keep going back to New Year's Eve, Travis Hand, mm. and that was a packed house. Yeah. And that would all, almost standard fare for a strikers game because we got four home games a, a season. And now that's obviously dissipated with the, the novelty of going because there's seven home games. But I feel the crowds came back again this year. So there's, yeah. there's enough entertainment there. But... I'm pretty sure Adelaide people like winners as well. So <laughs> Yeah, 40,000 plus on New Year's Eve this year. So uh, your crowd's definitely come back. Um, Alex Carey, 65 off 47. He's seen to be – him and Aaron Finch were the only two that handle the conditions well. Uh, Travis Head struggled again. He has had uh, 19 off 32 deliveries. It was good to see him spend a bit of time before he started playing shots. But in the end, yeah, failed again. Really. Well, Steve Smith's generational. No. Oh. And out of all the test players, he's the one who's come back and just gone whack, whack, whack. And and Travis has found he's he's a got he's a good one day short form player, but he's found his niche at test level. And I think most South Australians will be really reveling in that. But when it comes to the strikers, probably didn't have the impact that everyone was after. And does opening suit him? Is he better at three or four? And that's what I've really liked about Finch this year that the adaptability to go and bat at four and be okay with it. He he was an institutionalised opener, opener for Victoria, yes. for the Renegades, for Australia, and. Go at four and just adjust to whatever's required and it just showed the experience you acquire over a long time as to how to manage a run chase and build an innings. And clearly the best captain in the BBL. Yeah, it's the insight you get yes. from listening to him talk to bowlers and and field positioning and the planning that goes into it. It's it's fantastic insight for any sports fan, let alone cricket lovers. So, yeah, he's very, very good to listen to and very insightful as to things he gets done. So you mentioned players coming in and out and we had two. Big ones this year, Rashid Khan, who is much loved in Adelaide, and the other one was Chris Lynn, who was a success. He wasn't wanted by the Brisbane Heat. No other team seemed to want him. There was no other rumours going around, and Jason Gillespie and uh, brought him into the side, and he performed really well, but then leaves in probably the most important part of the season. And Matt Short was the the victim of it. <laughs> yeah, little, we're, yes. We're all yes. responsible for our own innings as a batsman, but... Short Lynn just worked. They complemented each other really well and they couldn't keep going for short. Like the last two innings have been ducks. But up yeah. to then, he was a player of the tournament for me. And the, the nice little chemistry they had, the middle order wasn't getting exposed for the strikers for many games. So, And then Rashid is a star. I think he's been one of the best players in the Big Bash history. So to lose those two key match winners, it was a big loss. And then De Grondheim and Hose probably don't, get the full impact that the strikers have been after. Like, Grondheim had a couple of good moments with the bat and Hose yeah, one I think, or two innings. But. Yeah, I think the Grondheim's been disappointing. I think Hose has been okay without yeah. being – yeah, he, he's your import, though. He's one of your imports. He should he should be winning games for you, and I don't think he did that. And I'll use footy terms here. If you take away your premier ball winner in the middle and take away your centre-half back, good luck replacing them because they're good in those yeah. positions for a reason. And then the ripple effect bonds that – 
the next best defender has to be the centre-half back and then the next best mid might get tagged. So it's a ripple effect when they have this instability in the team. Now it's reality because of other C20 tournaments around the world, but I just look at stability and what the best generally demonstrate is that. All right, let me just throw some names at you. Would you have these guys back in a striker's shirt next year? Jake Weatherald? Big fan of Weatherald, but is he stale? So I think he'd be on the market and people would be very interested. Harry Nielsen. I like Nielsen. Now, the, clearly he's got a role to play with when Kerry isn't there. And it was good to see him come back and play last night with Kerry playing. I'm a fan of Nielsen. Uh, Harry Conway? I think Conway's a, more suited to longer form. Yep. From what I can see. Peter Siddle. Given great service to the strikers. Captain. Does he go around one more year? Don't know. I think it's when you're a player like him and you don't give out leadership titles loosely, that will be a conversation. And I thought last year his bowling was equal to anyone for crunch death bowling. Was it the same this year? And injury didn't help. So I think it's more in his hands. Do you bring Chris Lynn back knowing that he's leaving with three games to go? I think it would be a fascinating review for the strikers to – to review that and say, was it a success? The numbers, and he's in back, would say yes, but did it hurt us at the end? And that, that, I think that answer would be yes as well. And that's not Chris's fault because he signed a contract knowing where it was going to end. So all those questions show how much the strikers in review have got to ask themselves. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Sports Day SA. I get Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Now, I'm going to – we had a little chat about this before we came on air, but I want to talk to you about Jack Ginnivan making 100 for uh, Barker's Creek. And uh, he's an AFL superstar with the Collingwood Footy Club. Should AFL players be allowed to go and play sport in their off-season? They have a very short off-season. But uh, is that a good thing for the player and is it a good thing for the club? I think it's a great thing for the player. It's a horrible thing for the club. <laughs> and <laughs> the older I get, Vons, I come from a lens of club and especially at AFL level. The, the biggest thing that AFL players uh, probably lack is the fine print in their contracts. <laughs> and they see money and they see tenure. And that's natural and it's understandable. Yep. But there's some highly quality, high-talented players out there of cricket, of basketball, of golf. They're, they need the outlet. I was, I was involved in a session with a player about bring something to the meeting that means something to you and it's a photo or some sort of symbolism, symbolism of family. Yep. A player bought a golf ball and it, right. it showed us how much a release from football was important to him. Now, is the risk lesser with golf? Yes, but Josh Inglis misses a World Cup because of an injury in the golf course. Correct. There's arguments both ways and I, I love seeing it. Clearly he's talented, this boy, and going back home being a bit of a – about uh, to represent your old club and perform and it'd be pretty good feeling. And I'm sure it was done with Collingwood's blessing. So it'll fluctuate from club to club as to how you engage with your club. If I did this, would it be okay? And yeah, I guess that's, that's the question too. Um, they've got to give their clubs notice of what they're doing. They can't just go do things, can they? Absolutely obliged to. Yeah. And if you don't and think it's going to slip through the cracks and then you go and make 100 and it's on Twitter, uh, good luck trying to do There's no escaping with social media. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, you make, if he makes a duck, it probably gets on social media. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I'd experienced 22 years ago. I played at North Melbourne Cricket Club and Liam Pickering is a great friend of mine, was a captain of the club and I'm an absolute cricket tragic and you and I have yes. become friends. You've probably learnt that. Uh, I was playing a couple of games in North Melbourne. Past life, I was wicketkeeper, but somehow became an opening bowler. And 
just started to get a sore back and then yep. it landed in the club's lap that I was playing and, yeah, it got nipped pretty quickly and, and I look at it now and see absolutely fair enough. It was too big a risk um, losing players, any players on your list, let alone whether a senior one through something that you can control is understandably frustrating. It is interesting and um, for those who don't know, Port Adelaide Footy Club had a team at Grange Cricket Club, uh, not the season just gone but the season before. They played in their T20 competition and the likes of Connor Rosie and uh, Dan Houston were playing. Um, so I think, I think there, yeah, there needs to be some, I guess, common sense about it, but I think the players need an out as well. They do. And culturally, when you hear a team playing a, a sport together, culturally it's a big tick. Yeah. Then at Christmas time when Ollie hurts his shoulder the other year, like the internally they would have been going, geez, he's a great bloke, but that's <laughs> killing us. But do you get him to sign another contract to say, over Christmas, you will not? And by the way, you can't water ski anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. And you've got to live life because yeah. these guys are not robots as much. And we want more characters, but then we suppress them. So there's arguments both ways for this part of the, the conversation when it comes to professional sport. All right. You can be part of the show. Text in on 0427154166. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Glenorchy Footy Club and the Tasmanian State League footy with Jade Rawlings here on the summer edition of Sports ASA. A pinnacle of engineering, Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and on 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonza and Twig Rawlings with you and... We uh, just looking after the show for David Wildey and Malcolm Blight, who'll be back for the winter. It's their show. We're just keeping the seats warm, aren't we? Twig? We are. It's very enjoyable being able to talk all things sport. Yes. Uh, all right. I, this is going to be a great topic, and I'm really looking forward to discuss discussing this with you. We're going to talk about Tasmanian footy. Thanks to Mate 5G mobile plans from $40, 5G mobile plans in every territory or state. Why wait? Switch to Mate. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. All right, Twig, uh, there, there's some reports coming out that Glenorchy Footy Club in Tassie are struggling for numbers. Um, they play in the Tasmanian State League. Whether it's true or not, it's a, it's a bad look for the Tasmanian League. What are your initial thoughts? Highly concerning to give people context as much as the TSL has got nowhere near the impact or um, I suppose leverage the SNFL does. It's like a club of Glenelg or Woodville's Woodville West Torrens credibility yeah. not being in the competition. That's how significant it is. There's only been three clubs that have won premierships in the last seven years and Glenelg is one of them. And then to be in this position, it's staggering really and – I don't think it has any impact whatsoever on the potential of licence that Tassie hopefully will be granted very soon. But it does show that the pathway in Tassie over the last 10 to 15 years has gradually diminished. That if you don't make it after you've played for the Tassie Devils in the under-18s, that you either go play local footy with your mates, you play with a, a TSL club, or you go in a state. And unfortunately, for Tassie people, a lot of them have been encouraged to go for their own pathway, and that's having impact on clubs. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Aaron Cornelius, who used to play at Brisbane Lions, he's their coach, and he coached the premiership. I think it was in 2016. He went yep. away and has since come back. And 
yeah, to, to watch that club, the strength and the legendary players that have represented that club over the years, to, for them it must be gut-wrenching to see the situation they're in. And I, I don't know what's real. The interim president came out this morning and accused AFL-TAS of a lot of things. Then the statement from the CEO of AFL-TAS was very strong in saying those allegations are inaccurate. So it's untidy. And, yep. yeah, I, I think it's only got one one ending, unfortunately, the way it looks for Glenorchy for this season. The... The, I guess, exodus of players. Um, we've seen a few Tassie players come to the sample. Well, you, you've got a couple there too. Um, so is it is it simply that there's not enough money to keep the players there or is it about the culture of that state league that's sort of drifting away? Because it wasn't that long ago where Tasmanian footy was quite strong and the numbers participation rates were very good. Yeah, I don't think it's the culture of the competition. I think it's the... The perception that you, if as a young player, if you want to go anywhere further with your footy, you're not going to get picked up playing statewide footy. Right. And my reckoning is that Jeremy Howe was the last player to play statewide footy and get drafted, which was 2009. I'm pretty sure, maybe yeah, in 2010. That's a long time ago. He's from a place called Dodgers Ferry. Ended up playing for Hobart Footy Club, and next thing he got second round draft pick. I don't think anyone else since then at the statewide league's been picked up, and gradually the numbers have been lesser and lesser out of the Devils. So. It's concerning. I, I don't apologise for being a provider of opportunity to young players from interstate, especially if they happen to come from Tassie. I've, I get what it takes to Close move. Close to your heart. <laughs> it is. Yes. And throughout the competition, there's been some high-level impact of Tasmanians over the years. Like Ian Callanan was from Tassie. Nathan Grimer, both Central's players. Aidan Grace out there at the moment. Uh, obviously, the players at our club. And Donnelly, Callow, Lowe. We've got yep. uh, Patrick Walker, Michael Stingle, and uh, also... Uh, one more that escapes me at the moment. <laughs> Another boy, Alec, Alec Wright from Launceston. So all those boys in South Adelaide, Ollie Davis is a Tassie boy. Uh, Harrison Gunther is a Tassie boy. So there's a number of them that have come over and they've had great experiences, which then creates, blazes the trail for more to come over. So it, it is concerning for the statewide league, but I think the statewide league will replenish if the AFL licence is granted and then a VFL team established, a lot of the Tassie boys will probably go back. Well, that, that was my next question. Do you think if the 19th licence is granted, which we all hope happens, uh, that then that will build the life of footy in, in Tassie? I really do. Yeah. Uh, the trend has been with new clubs coming in and the Suns in 2010 and then the Giants in 2012, I think it was, they both had VFL seasons and at, I think may possibly two. So... That gave them an opportunity to build the kids they got access to ahead of the draft and get used to a building a way of playing and culture. So I can't see it being any different. And it'll be real well supported. So Tassie were in the VFL in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it developed itself to, by the end of 2005 to be really strong, well supported. Yep. And then North Melbourne aligned with Tassie, and then it gradually fell off. They didn't want the alignment. They wanted just their own team. So that's why I'm very bullish and positive that – the licence will get through. It'll, the stadium will be part of it. The support will be off its head. Like the crowd. It'll work. Were. It'll work. And well, we've seen it with the Jack Jumpers. Yep. That, they've just taken off. They've been really helpful, I think, for Tassie cause for footy. Yeah. How well, that's the hottest ticket in town in Tassie at the moment to go to a Jack Jumpers game. You can stream every NFL game live this season on NFL, NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. If you're on SEN, we're crossing to Melbourne Park. Um, and if you're on cruise, stay with us because we will be talking to Mr. Tennis himself, Brett Phillips, live from Melbourne Park. Uh, be part of the show as well. 0427 154 is the text line number. And we got a text just in uh, recently from Mario Maslin's Beach. 
he wants all the Nord players to skydive in the off-season twig. Uh, what do you reckon? I'd love to know the origins of why he wants them to do that, but uh, Terry Wheeler was the last man at the Bulldogs to try something like that, I think. <laughs> A pinnacle of engineering. Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia. This... You're listening to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323. Paul Bonzer, Jade Rawlings with you. Uh, Twig, um, we're going to do some lost in the wash, just things that have, have just got lost and we haven't had time to talk about in the last couple of days. So we're going to talk about them now. All thanks to Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. New year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SEN SA. You can be part of the show as well. Text in on 0427154166. Uh, news came out a couple of days ago that Harry Froling from the Brisbane Bullets was involved in an incident in Wollongong. We mentioned this last night, but uh, didn't have time to go more into it. And I'd like to go into it with you. Not so much about the incident. He was a, a one-punch incident. He was... Unconscious, uh, got taken to hospital in Wollongong, refused a CT scan, checked himself out, flew home with his team, which concerns me for a start. I think there should have been, I guess, some uh, leadership within that group that said, no, hang on a second, um, you need to sort of probably stay here or go back to hospital. That, um, that really bothered me. Uh, and in the end, the next day in Brisbane, after he flew home, he had some headaches and he had a fractured skull and bleeding, bleeding on the brain and had to have brain surgery and still in hospital recovering. And hopefully everything goes well and he recovers well. But uh, tragic, isn't it, really? I wouldn't even hear one punch. It, it's just yep. it makes my my gut churn. With I've seen the so many devastating circumstances of families how they have to deal with it for the rest of their lives and how quick someone's life can turn for the perpetrator and also the victim. Yes. And there's always two sides to – like I'm talking purely about the Brisbane Bullets. Now, did Harry share everything that happened Correct. with management? We don't, we don't know that, but – I think that a teammate somewhere online would be aware. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you, we talk about how can this happen. And, yeah, it's a staggering. I don't know how we got through the flight. If you have a fractured skull and you've been on a flight for an hour, how he must have been feeling and – I'm sure it was like pretty early in the morning, so yeah, must have been so painful for him. And correct, and yeah. So he must have been under a lot of suffering. But yeah, I'd, the the guy that allegedly did it is um, submitting himself to police, and yeah, it, I just find it really hard to talk about Bonds because mm. I just can't quite comprehend that the life that nineteen-year-old uh, alleged yep. person how his life could possibly change or it already has. And yes. then and then you go on the other side for Harry. Like, what's that going to do to him? Like, could there be long-term damage? Does it affect his basketball career? And and what the family must be going through, it's really challenging. I just hate hearing about it. Um, I did have a little bit to do with Harry when he was in Adelaide playing with the 36 as well, and he's a lovely guy. He's just the nicest guy you ever want to meet. So, um, well, yeah, we wish him very well, but uh, a concerning story and, and – um, a bit heavy, but we'll. I think we'll move on now. <laughs> but uh, just one more thing: should should people should athletes be allowed to be out at night, especially if you're playing in the middle of the season? You know, off season might be different. But I've got a very clear view on this one: is that if you, as a club coach, 
want to impose curfews and restrictions, you're guaranteed people will break it. And so philosophically, I think a lot of the challenge we have as clubs is to how do we educate our people to make enjoy themselves and make great decisions on the run and, and also how to support each other. So like we had a, our boys had a pub golf day on Saturday. When I hear yep. our players are getting together to socialise, I'm championing that as much as anyone. But my job is also to just keep leaving little hints behind about how you do that in the community, how what's having a good time but not being a, a fool and a, a buffoon. So it's it's going to happen. They're young. The challenges of what happens within society and community these days, we've got young players that yep. exposed to life that Joe Public is. But they're, yes. they're SNFL players we try and educate and you've got Adelaide and Port players. The 36 is the strikers. They get exposed to a lifestyle which is – what is it? Seductive, and it's alluring because of the the fun and the you're only young once, all that. But all, equally, you've got a career. If you're pretty keen to see that out as well, you have to keep being able to. Yeah, make, my, look, most people decisions. most people enjoy themselves when they're younger. Um, but uh, yeah, some people when they if sport is their job, yeah, maybe you need to think about how late you stay out. Yep, that's, that's my only thing. I'd agree with that. Uh, the ICC named their men test team of the year. And there were four Australians named in that side. Uzi Kawaja, uh, I'll go through the side. Uh, Craig Brathwaite from the West Indies, Manus Labashane, Bubba Azam, Johnny Bairstow, Ben Stokes. He was also named captain, Ben Stokes. Rishabh Pant, the keeper. Pat Cummins, uh, Kagiso Rabada, Nathan Lyon, and Jimmy Anderson. There's your, there's your 11, the best 11 test team from last year, uh, from this year. So 22, sorry, last year. How many tests did we... We play four, the Sydney uh, test, and then yeah, the, but this, this goes from the summer before as well. And does it go from January one? Yeah, or so it? I go January one to December thirty yeah. first. So so we play the New Year's test. Yeah. So uh, the Johnny Bairstow was the one for me. Yeah, he was going nowhere. The Boxing Day when Boland got him, like he was struggling to get a run, and yep. then he made a brilliant hundred up in Sydney. And then since McCullum's taken over, Bairstow was couldn't have gone any better. No. And it's amazing how a coach can just align with a player and maximise his ability. And I thought that was the eye-catcher, a great story. Like even Jimmy Anderson's 38, isn't he? Yes. Still one of the like, – we worry about going to the Ashes yes. this year with Jimmy Anderson still when he's almost yep. 40. So. And broad. Yeah, <laughs> he's the same age. Yeah. Or a year younger. Um, ben Stokes, captain. You like that? I love it. I think he's a star. I just think when he plays cricket, he plays it for the most purest form of enjoyment. And he's been through a few things in his life with the thing that he and Alex Hales went through yes. and losing his father. And, and I just think that he and McCullum have changed cricket. Like England, just think back 12 months ago, it was absolutely nowhere and just got smacked. And two key changes in leadership and they just look a different country yeah. when it comes to cricket at the moment. And, yeah, I think Stokes was rightful captain to be named in that team. More cricket news. Women's uh, T20. Australia played Pakistan yesterday. Um, Megan Shute, five for 15. Speaking of superstars, they, they bowled Pakistan out for 118 and then got them two down. Elise Perry opened the batting, uh, 57 off 40 balls. Uh, next game is tomorrow in Hobart, and then they play again on Sunday in Canberra. But the Aussie girls, they're a bit strong for the Pakistani team, aren't they? They look to be. Yeah, the really professional unit. We're talking about stability and throughout our conversation and what it does for the team. You don't see a lot of overhaul in the women's cricket no. team. Like young Phoebe Litchfield comes in, but that's one player. Yeah. She's surrounded by experience and they just know each other well and they know each other's game. And, and to see Perry fully fit and performing with ball and bat, it, I spoke 
um, a couple of weeks ago with you about Taylor McGrath mm. and uh, Annabelle Sutherland, those yep. some seriously good players coming through that haven't even got to their best yet. Yeah, uh, they're just a bit good. Uh, one thing that sort of stood out to me over the last few days as well was some of the Pakistan players um, wanted to meet Elise Perry, you know, and too shy to go up and talk to her. They're speaking to Jess Jonathan going, can you introduce us to Elise? Uh, that, that to me, I guess, says the, where the level's at as well. Yeah, it's so good to hear, but it also you can't compete against the best if you're starstruck. So, uh, <laughs> correct. But that's great to hear. Like, I saw the photo and I thought it was yeah. fantastic. And I actually didn't understand the, the background to it at the time. I thought it must have been juniors because they, they look quite young, the yes. Pakistani girls. Yes. And, yeah, but it's great that Australians uh, internationally have so many role models, especially in women's cricket. We're going to Brett Phillips at Melbourne Park at the Australian Open very, very shortly. Uh, before we do, Patrick Reed and Rory uh, McElroy have had a little, um, I guess, a little tete-a-tete. Not really. So Patrick Reed goes up to Rory on the practice range, um, uh, the Dubai Desert Classic. Um, Rory completely ignores him. So Patrick says, how you going, Rory? Uh, says hello to his caddy. Rory, just nothing. Gives him absolutely nothing. Doesn't even look at him. <laughs> and then Patrick Reed says, fair enough, and throws his tea at Rory. Uh, that's all off the back of Live Golf. Patrick Reed with Live Golf. Rory, dead set against it. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm a massive Rory man. He's my favourite golfer. And he's been very, very stoic in his support of the, the PGA Tour. PGA yeah. Tour. Yep. And he's been quite critical of anyone who's gone towards Live in particular. He's critical of Greg Norman. And it takes some courage to to stand your ground and stick up for what you believe in. You read something like that and you think, Farah, when do you stop treating people? Because he seems like a really decent human, Rory. Yes. From what I've come across. So just watch, he's engaging, he's, he's always smiling, he, he deals with defeat really well. But, yeah, he's been very stoic in his uh, views on Live Golf, which I think is going to be an unbelievable event for Adelaide. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not a, I, I'm not on Rory's team just here at the minute. Uh, can't wait for that to come to Adelaide. Um but isn't that isn't that funny? You see two of the world's best golfers, and one won't even won't even acknowledge the existence well, because you're playing golf on a different tour. Brooks Kepka and DeChambeau can't stand each yep. other. Yep. I think VJ Singh was quite unpopular on the tour there for many years. And being the best, that means there's some egos are going to clash. Everyone's striving, especially in individual sport. Everyone's striving for the the one one badge of honour, which is number one in the world and someone's in their way and they don't feel the need to be friends with them. So it's actually not as uncommon as what people think. But when we hear it, we're quite intrigued by it. If you're running that tournament, do you pair them together on the first day? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when a player gets traded and you put them against their old team in round one. It builds up the whole summer. <laughs> oh, that's great. You are listening to the summer edition of Sports ASA with me, Paul Wanza, and the premiership coach himself, Jade Rawlings. The Kia EV6 GT, it's a pinnacle of engineering and the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Sports Day SA. You're the best. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Live from Melbourne Park at the Australian Open, it's our good friend Brett Phillips. Brett, welcome to Sports Day SA. Paul, uh, Jade, yeah, great to chat to you guys. Uh, let's get off uh, on the women's track first. Uh, quarterfinals today, Pliskova and Sabalenka played. How'd they go? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, the upsets continue on the women's side. It's quite incredible. I mean, the story of uh, Magda Lynette. I mean, going to this tournament, we only thought there was one genuine chance from Poland to win it, and that's the world number one, Iga Sviantek. We know she got knocked out 
over the weekend, but we couldn't have predicted that a fellow countrywoman was have, going to have some sort of run like this to make it through to a semi-final. I mean, she'd, she'd never been past the third round of the majors uh, before. I think it was six times she'd been to the third round. So it'd been a you know, solid tour play, but not, not one we've ever affected to be going deep into a slam. But this is the thing with the tour. You know, there's, there's, there's a little opening. You know, players like Magda Lynette can sort of seize on the opportunity. I mean, she's not a bad player. She's a very competent player, and she's been inside the top 100 for a number of years now. Uh, but because sometimes the calibre is just that little bit better, it's hard to get a breakthrough. But, you know, the number one two, number one and two seeds go out. You know, Pagula, the third seed, goes out last night. Uh, Magda beat Garcia, the fourth seed. And the door allows you to go a bit further, and yeah, she can't believe it. I mean, the, the look on her face, it's just a game changer. And whatever happens from here, it'll be a two weeks that uh, she remembers. Six, three, seven, five over Carolina Pliskova today. It's, oh, look, I, I've probably never been more frustrated with a player than Carolina Pliskova over the journey uh, because she's got such a presence uh, out on the tennis court and uh, never been the best mover. And if you just get her a bit uncomfortable... Um, you know, she uh, she really struggles to, to go through a match. I mean, she did get to world number one and uh, made a couple of uh, Grand Slam finals. But really, for the presence she's got out on court, big serve and a massive game, she probably should have won a major, but she keeps falling short. And then Arena Sabalenka, well, she's my tip uh, for the title. I, I think whether it's, you know, Roy Buckner, uh, whether it's uh, Azarenka that get through, I think, you know, she'll beat Magda Lynette and that fairy tale will come to an end. I think the way she's... Uh, playing off the ground. There's no bigger hitter in the game right now than Arena Sevalinka. And if she keeps her emotions in con- control because she's a little bit volatile, then I think there's a big chance she can win her first major. And Azarenka, who does have an Adelaide connection, Brett, with Alan Obbs being her physio, she's through to the semis. Do you feel as though she's in a position to be victorious by the end of the week? Well, I wouldn't put anything past her, Paul. I mean, the old saying, you know, you can't buy experience. It's incredible. I mean, 10 years on from winning back-to-back here, the last woman to do it at the Australian Open, she's back in the semis. And, you know, different phase of her career, still a very good athlete. And the way she returned serve last night was uh, brilliant. Uh, That first strike back into play was back at the toes of uh, Pagula and you know, she was um, not allowed to dictate the points. And, you know, Azarenka has got obviously the smart. She's still got that feisty competitiveness that she had when she was back uh, world number one and winning majors here. And at one stage we thought that, you know, she was really going to kick on and be a dominant force in the women's game. And lots of different things happened. It was tough playing in the Serena Williams uh, era as well. And she lacked a little bit of uh, motivation, a little bit of a mojo there for a little while, but she's got it back. And, you know, she is a formidable force here. She's won more matches than anyone in the draw left at Melbourne Park, 46. I could rattle off a few other stats. And, you know, up against Roy Barkina, who, you know, won Wimbledon last year based on that big serve and, and massive forehand. And she looked at, you know, she's a bit more of a counterpuncher at times as Arenka. So it's a it's a matchup of different styles. But as Arenka's got the experience, she's been there and she'll handle the pressure really well. So I think it would be the real fairy tale story if she could come, you know, 10 years on and win another Australian Open. Well, because of that Adelaide connection, uh, BP, we're rooting for uh, Vika to go through and win the whole thing. So <laughs> she's got our support. Um, Sitsa Pass was was uh, just going through. It seems to be the quiet achiever through this tournament. He's just going through, doing what he should do. Uh, is he the only player that can beat Djokovic? Yeah, well, we've all been asking that question of what's left. And, look, he's the best equipped from a ranking point of view. And he's, 
you know, been to a French Open final, led Novak two sets to love going back uh, two or three years ago. He's uh, such a uh, a big specimen, isn't he? Athletic, uh, all-court game. Uh, he's good off both wings. The forehand's been the most destructive. You can expose him a little bit on the backhand. I mean, he's got the single-handed backhand, which can be obviously a lethal weapon in men's tennis. But uh, if you put it in the you know the right area, it, 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 that's where the errors can come uh, for Stefanos across the match. So I think you've got to sort of stay away from the forehand and you can bring him undone. But if you just measuring anyone against Novak at the moment, you know, there's, there's a fair gap, isn't it? I, I, th- I think Rublev, yes, you know, you're not saying he's on a chance uh, tonight, but it's going to have to take something extraordinary considering the way that Novak played a couple of nights ago. He, he just looks to be on a mission uh, from here. When he turns into the second week of the Australian Open, uh, he doesn't get beaten. So I think it's almost mission impossible, but Sitsi Pass is probably the one that could get the crowd in his corner. You know, the Greek support he gets here... Uh, who knows what could happen that might just rattle Novak a little bit, but we've got to get to that date first. Most of the big events in Australia over the last six to 12 months, Brett, have demonstrated a, a willingness for crowds to return. What's the atmosphere and the numbers been like with the crowd and what's a beautiful time of the year in in Melbourne, late January? Yeah, I mean, they've been here in big numbers. Uh, you know, we had, what, 94,000 on Saturday. I'm not sure what the official number will be at the end of the tournament. They were aiming for 900,000 which would be a record. And, you know, the, if you look at the night sessions on Rod Laver, there's hardly been an empty seat. A lot of people staying around the precinct. I mean, it's, it's such a well-set-up precinct. It's the best of the uh, four grand slams in terms of, you know, lots of things to do apart from the tennis and the space that you've got as well to manoeuvre around. Right, you know, the accessibility to the CBD, it's just, uh, you know, the best sporting precinct, I think. Um, and not just tennis, uh, you know, other sports as well, where you've got to travel a fair way away from the city. So it's got so many things going for it. And, yeah, I think people have been crying to, you know, get to the tennis and have a couple of days. Whether you're a tennis purist, you love that side of it, or you're just coming to meet friends and have a drink and have a listen to a bit of live music and, and watch the big screen in the background. Uh, people come here and they, they tend to stay day into night and, don't want to go home by the end of it. Just want to go back to Sitspass uh, for a second. Do you think that this comment he made after his game last night uh, is tactical? I like a lot of Aussie things, you know. Um, one of my favourite exorcists comes from Australia, Margot Robbie. I wish I can... Margot Robbie? Uh, are you pitching right now? What, what's happening? Am I what? Pitching? Are you, like, you know, making an, an offer? What are we seeing here? It would be nice to see you over there one day. Do you think he's trying to get the Aussie crowd on his <laughs> side? <laughs> oh, I think it's a big part of it, yeah. And if he can, who knows what that's worth. I mean, if it was um, since he passed Djokovic in the final, we know Novak's got a you know, strong Serbian supporter base here. And uh, that mix of the, the Greek support for Sitsi Pass would be an incredible atmosphere if we get to that on uh, on Sunday night. So... Yeah, he, he needs every little every little edge to try and um, you know take away from the, the Djokovic dominance on this court and playing in Australia. So oh, I think there was a little bit of the, the tactical side there. What about um, uh, the actual event itself? It seems to have run. It's had some issues with some scheduling earlier in the week last week. Uh, has it been a big, still a big talking point, or have people forgotten about that already? No, it's not not as big a talking point. I think everyone's got a different opinion on it. And, you know, some people are saying it's just part of tennis. It's not happening every day, every week, every tournament. 
Do we just cop that, you know, this sport sometimes plays till four o'clock in the morning or you know, do we need a, a drastic um you know, scheduling upheaval. I don't. I don't. I don't think so personally. I mean, you could you could adjust some start times. You could adjust how many matches are on a court. I'm sure they'll debrief and have a look at that. But that's and all the slams do it. You know, a little bit differently. I mean, New York used to play three matches in the day. They went back to two, so that the day session could never go into the night session. Wimbledon have the you know, just the one session. They start later in the afternoon, but uh, play through and have a curfew. So every Grand Slam is sort of set up a little bit different. Uh, scheduling's hard. It, it just, it's not easy. That's where I think, great point on Netflix, if they had gone into a scheduling meeting, people would have got an appreciation of how difficult it is. There's a lot of stakeholders in there um, and it's you know you can't predict the length of a tennis match. That's that's the hard thing. Um, you, know, you don't know if it's going to go an hour, two and a half hours, five hours. That's the unique part about tennis. So, yeah, I'm sure the bodies will have a look at it, but I don't, I don't, I personally don't think it needs a drastic overhaul. Do you do you move the doubles and junior games away from the week or or yeah I guess it's tough it's it's too hard to people want to see mm. the best tennis and and people want to see as much tennis as they can but I, I think starting a game at twenty past ten is probably unreasonable I think yeah but you yeah but you got you've got uh, they, they sell you know tickets for yes. two matches so people are paying two matches I mean. I suppose if you're anticipating a big men's match, you might have that as the starting match rather than you, rather than starting with the women. Um, but then it's you know <laughs> obviously there's a quality in all of this as well that exactly uh, the women right. kick off the session some nights, the men kick off the sessions. They tend to rotate that a little bit on all the the big three courts. So there's no perfect recipe. I mean we've had we've had two we've had two four four a.m. finishes in what 15 years. So. It, you know, I mean, it's it's unique. It's it's not ideal, but it's it's not a disaster. I don't think. Before we let you go, Brett, uh, who's your winners for both the women and the men? Well, I'll go on the limb and <laughs> say Novak. <laughs> uh, the women is is a little harder. I think. You know, I'm still bullish about Sabalenka. I think she's shown me enough. She threw in a few extra doubles today um, than she'd been averaging for the tournament, but. I like her mindset, and I think she can smell winning a trophy. And off the ground, I don't know who quite goes with her, but it's got to be all on. And right back in a, because she sort of flies under the radar, she's so um, softly spoken and doesn't carry that aura of the others, like Sabalenka and Azarenka. Um, we've sort of just forgotten about her a little bit. But she's playing some devastating tennis, So, and she's, she's one of majors. I wouldn't put it past her, but... I think Sabalinka for mine is still the play to beat. She's undefeated this year, and I think her time is now. Thanks for joining us, my friend, and in, uh, enjoy the last uh, few days and enjoy calling some fantastic tennis at Melbourne Park. Yeah, look forward to it. Hopefully, Andre Rublev can yeah, put up a good fight tonight. We'll see how he goes. Brett Phillips from Melbourne Park, uh, one of the best tennis brains in this country, uh, Twig. Um, just just what he doesn't know about tennis, no one knows. No, he speaks with great authority and yes. uh, enthusiasm. Yes. And when you do the work like he does, you're in a good position to talk in an incredible position. But, yeah, he's obviously had a long life in Melbourne and he's got a major presence in the media circles in Melbourne when it yeah. comes to tennis and around the world. So it was very good to speak to him. Did you uh, see the Demonor, um Djokovic game? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was, it was the best, I guess, tennis we could see from one player. He was just ruthless. 
Djokovic. It was it was very clinical. We used the term last night, very clinical, and um, he just looks on. I don't think he's going to get beaten. You hear sometimes in sport about how people will benefit from a, a loss, and you can't see how Demon Orr could be worse off for being exposed to what, probably arguably the greatest Australian Open men's player in history yep. in Djokovic. Yep. And, what it took and the stress points that he got because he's starting to mature now, Dimonor. We, yes. we actually feel he can be a serious player consistently. So uh, when you get the best at the peak of their game, it's a good experience for them. We've run out of time, my friend. Thanks for coming in again and, and being part of the show. And if you missed any of the show, you can check out the podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search for Sports Day SA. It'll be right there. You can hear our chat with Brett Phillips or the whole show. Or if you missed a show yesterday, you can uh, listen to that as well. So... Thanks for joining us and we'll see you tomorrow night back here on Cruise 1323. A pinnacle of engineering, Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day.